Welcome to episode 37 of the Babes Talking Business podcast. Today, we have friend and fellow Gold Coast entrepreneur, Michael Huxley, founder of the Huxley School of Makeup. Michael is a multi-award-winning creative with over 10 years experience working on major projects and productions throughout Australia and overseas. Within the last 12 months alone, Michael has led teams in Bora Bora, Hawaii and Japan working on campaigns for companies including Village Roadshow, Movie Makers, L'Oreal, Balmain, Terry White, Sasuke, Eye of Horus, Lorna Jane, Moana, Bikini and many more. Michael was also the makeup director for the official 2018 Commonwealth Games, running a department which created hair and makeup looks for over 7,000 people, including athletes, pro cast, mass cast, and headline talent. Michael is also the founder of the prestigious Michael Huxley School of Makeup, which is both industry and government endorsed as a preferred territory education provider and the number one industry ranked makeup school in Australia and Asia Pacific, with graduates working in all aspects of this creative industry, including film, fashion, bridal and cosmetics. In this awesome episode with Michael, we chat about so much. We talk about his evolution from freelancing to building his empire that is today. We talk about his mission and his legacy that he wants to leave behind, how he has overcome adversity in an industry which is extremely competitive and brutal, and the journey of how he built an educational institute out of something that was once just a hobby for him, plus so much more. You can also check out our website at www.babestalkingbusiness.com where we have loads of information, including upcoming events we have later this year, including our Babes in Business Bali Retreat. It is happening in June of 2020 at Commune. You do have to be a part of the Babes in Business team. If you want to learn more about how to join the team or how to come to the retreat, please do get in touch. We just want to take this opportunity to say a massive thank you to our sponsor, The Health Style Emporium, a 16-week online holistic program for women all around the world that educates, empowers, and inspires you to become the happiest, healthiest version of yourself without deprivation, diets, or extreme exercise. The Emporium has a six-week mini program that has just wrapped up. We have just announced our winners, and we do have another six-week mini program starting in early February for those of you who are really interested in up-leveling your health and starting 2020 off strong. Head over to www.thehsc.net to find out more. Without further ado, we are so excited to introduce to you the beautiful Michael. Welcome to the show, Michael. We are so excited to have you. We were just actually talking before we started recording and doing our um, meditative (laughs) voiceover that we have been wanting to have you on the show for two years now. Wow. It's been a minute, hasn't it? Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You, first of all, before we start, we just want to congratulate you and just take, I just want to take my hat off to you. Like you have seriously grown incredible amounts over the last few years and I'm just so proud of you. And Shani's, I think Shani's known you personally as yeah, well outside of business. Yeah, yeah. But I've really just seen you on, online. It wasn't until yeah. I started going to the Gold Coast Entrepreneurial mm. Awards and I started seeing you wrapping up the awards. I'm like, all right. Uh, every year this guy <laughs> wins a bloody trophy. <laughs> well, yeah. Shani's mum was, she was like my 
skin therapist, my therapist, <laughs> just like all of those things. So, Mine too. so yeah, so that's how we sort of first connected actually. Yeah. Through your awesome mum. So yeah. And actually awesome. you did makeup for me mm. when I was doing a photo shoot with a photographer that you shared a studio with, like it yeah. just goes back way back long time. way back and we were just talking about how those were such humble beginnings like oh yeah do you remember yeah. that little studio yes very well <laughs> your little corner <laughs> where you did your makeup like i just yeah. can't believe how far you've come well i can but i'm just so fill in the gaps for me yeah. how long yeah. ago was this little corner in a room like, when was was what like year are we talking eight years ago mm. so it was a long time ago um i, I suppose like at the time, I didn't realise that I would be at the precipice of beginning something that would become this amazing school um, and this amazing business. But, yeah, I guess I always had, like, big dreams and that sort of thing. Um, but, yeah, back then, wow, yeah, real humble beginnings. So you're doing makeup. <laughs> Is that where we started? You were yeah. Doing makeup? yeah, 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 yeah. So I was a makeup artist. Um, I, I suppose, like, for me, like, I moving to the Gold Coast and setting up the studio, that was like a, a bit of like a, a risk in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, at that stage, when I first opened that up, when I first got the studio, um, my initial thought wasn't, oh yeah, I'm going to start this massive school. It wasn't, that wasn't the, the thing. It was actually that I was just really keen to grow my own personal makeup business and I really loved the industry that I was a part of um, mm-hmm. but I also was interested in art direction and interested in fashion and interested in photography and things like that too so um, I suppose like opening up the studio seemed like a natural progression from being a freelance artist where I'd had a bit of success there so um, yeah I guess it was just like time to open my own place <laughs> and, and do it on the Gold Coast because <laughs> I was actually from Brisbane so Interesting. Yeah. Mm. And so when you started um, freelancing, did you ever have that vision of having the school that you have now, which is like government funded now? Like, I mean, yeah, it's, like, it's next legit. Level. It's, <laughs> you have a legit business, my friend. <laughs> um, interestingly enough, initially I didn't see that makeup could even be a career. Mm-hmm. All of my friends went and studied medicine and became doctors. Like I, yeah. I was sort of the odd one out in that. Um, I did study at university as well, um, but I get, I suppose I wasn't particularly interested in it and maybe that was because I didn't, um, maybe the subject matter that we were learning about wasn't super interesting. Maybe the format wasn't very exciting either. Um, but also at the time, you know, being uh, young and silly, wanting to party all the time and, <laughs> you know, just typical teenager didn't take it really seriously I was working maybe three jobs um and living in a bachelor pad so for me makeup was actually a creative outlet Mm -hmm. and I loved being able to express myself and to be myself um and also to inspire confidence in other people but at the time I didn't really recognize it as being a career because I didn't understand the scope of what it was to be a professional makeup artist and I didn't also understand how big the industry was Um, because I didn't really know anybody who was doing it so much. So um, I was really fortunate. I ended up getting a job with Yves Saint Laurent. And I think that that was, I guess, like a turning point for me because it was 
I guess, an opportunity to start taking makeup more seriously. And I met some really inspiring people along the way who just opened my eyes up to what an enormous industry Mm. um, this is and how it's, like, global and so linked with fashion and all the things that I loved. Um, And, yeah, so I guess that's when I sort of started taking it seriously. So I worked for YSL for three years um, and I sort of worked my way up. I got to travel as a makeup artist and um, met some really inspiring people, like I said. But um, I left YSL and then started doing freelance makeup artistry. Um, I had a few really cool opportunities um, and those each job would sort of like propel me towards like the next one and before I knew it I'd built up like all these contacts and I had quite a bit of success as a freelance artist and this was all like pre you know smartphones really Mm -hmm. like this was not that I'm that old (laughs) (laughs) but it was it was like it was still like all before like Instagram that's for sure um, yeah. and being able to like market yourself easily online. So, mm-hmm. um, I was fortunate in that, you know, each job would kind of like propel me to the next and it was like a very different thing. I, I think maybe back then, you know, you were as good as your last job. So you would always hustle in every project that you worked on. Um, and that sort of work ethic is something that I've always talked to the students about uh, mm-hmm. as well. But, um, I guess then I'd took a crazy risk and I'd done a photo shoot with a photographer on the Gold Coast um, and we decided to open up a a studio together um, at this tiny little building in Burley Heads. Um, It was only like 90 square metres or something. Um, (laughs) And, yeah, then started to develop what would become um, the brand. That's what it is now. Yeah. Yeah, Really cool. That's so cool. Yeah. And so when you started, so you did a, you were with a photographer and you mm. decided to open up a studio. Yeah. What was the vision then? Which is like, oh, it's kind of a like natural progression. Like what, like I still don't get how you go from there to having this massive school. Yeah. Like, <laughs> tell me, fill me in. Well, it's interesting. I guess like I've always had a, a business acumen. I've always sort of been passionate about um, business as well. What, but what about business are you passionate about? I'd love to know what, know what draws you to it. Do you know what it is? This is, this is interesting because, like, as a creative person, I was always battling with, like, this internal judgment around what it was to be a creative person mm-hmm. because I felt like other people wouldn't necessarily take me seriously and maybe, like, my family um, or, you know, my friends who really had very typical sort of occupations and, you know, very professional careers. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was always like a little bit outside the box, but I thought to myself when I was opening the studio, I thought maybe there's an opportunity to really scale up what it is that I'm doing. Maybe I could really commercialize my creativity, Mm -hmm. um, you know, beyond being a freelance artist. Um, I mean, I really loved working for YSL and I had a really great job there. Like I learned so much, you know, I was so inspired and I think that working in that environment was super cool and it was an amazing career and like they would really look after us, which was awesome. And I had really amazing 
um, mentors as well back then. But there was a point where I knew that it wasn't quite enough for me. Mm-hmm. And I went and <laughs> went down to Sydney and they were looking to poach me for more of like a management position. And it was to, to manage a couple of like the, like an area essentially mm-hmm. in, in Sydney totally different direction to the artistry side of it that I really loved. Like I really loved, you know, being on the teams that got to travel and do makeup yeah. and do workshops for people and all that sort of thing. I really enjoyed that um, element to it. And it was in that moment that I was like, no, this is probably not quite enough. Actually, it wasn't in that moment. There was a guy who was um, like one of the managers and he didn't realize that I was getting poached to go down to Sydney and he was giving me a big lecture about something. I don't know, like <laughs> I needed a haircut or whatever it was, <laughs> something, you know, nothing. Ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> and he said, you know what, Michael, one day you could be a manager, but you've got a whole bunch more things that you need to improve, blah, blah, blah. Gives me a big lecture. And in that moment I was like, you know what, mate, I don't think that I want to be a manager yeah. and I don't want to be like you. I want to get out of here. I want to be an artist and I want to that. And then I guess that, like I loved YSL, but then I really, I wanted, oh, I guess, more, discover yeah. myself, you know, and I wanted to, yeah, I wanted more. Mm. So then that's when I did freelance artistry. I had a great time, met lots of really interesting people. And then after that, um, I guess I had some sort of confidence to open up a studio on the Gold Coast, um, even though I wasn't ever based on the Gold Coast. So that was a bit of a challenge. Um, and then when, after opening up, the the studio that was when I sort of saw the potential of what an actual school could be and Mm -hmm. that there was actually a market for it um I'd studied makeup and during that process like I didn't have the best experience and I guess that because I already had an understanding of makeup because at the time I was working for Yves Saint Laurent and you know you go from being supported and endorsed by a luxury fashion house to doing like a very basic Mm. makeup course at a school that was apparently supposed to be best. And I was like, well, this isn't anything. Like this is not worth the money. This is not YSL. This is not YSL. (laughs) This is not Yves Saint Laurent. You know, like this is not, this is rubbish. Like, and, um, and also I didn't see a lot of outcomes for any of the other students. I was the only one doing makeup, after the course, like after the first week, after the month, after a year, like there was yeah. nobody doing makeup afterwards in my group. And I was like, this, this isn't ethical almost. It's like the reason why they're, they're not getting jobs is because the course was so rubbish. Yeah. And at the time, I guess that that would, be, you know, maybe plant a seed mm-hmm. that would then help mm-hmm. to inspire the school. Um, and then when I opened up the, the studio, I decided to run workshops, like literally just like workshops for everyday people or workshops for um, how to, you know, master a particular technique. Um, and then I started to notice that people wanted more than just one workshop. They wanted a program. So then I developed a program. And that took me a little while, but the first course that I wrote was like a fashion and beauty makeup artistry course. And at the time, it was a three-month program. I remember and that. Yeah, <laughs> it was a three-month program. 
And it's funny because it still has the essence of what we do today. It had like lots of photo shoots in it and well, like a few photo shoots and three month program. And they would come twice a week in the evenings and do these classes. And yeah, it generated, got a bit of popularity. And I guess like that was, yeah, the beginning of, of the school and, and the brand. And I guess that's what inspired me to continue to, to persist and push it further and further. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love it. I think if like reflecting on what you've just shared, if I can pick anything up and it's a pattern that I hear in so many of our guests on the show is that the idea of a business came from curiosity of uh, what will happen if I do this. Mm. I think curiosity is always a big one, but also that want and need to do something on your own and and have that creative outlet. Everyone Mm. that I talk to always says, I just wanted more. Like working for someone else just wasn't going to be the answer. I had a hunger for something and I think above all, it was actually um, like a legacy was what I wanted. Mm. You know, I was very inspired by Yves Saint Laurent himself. I missed Yves Saint Laurent, like, he was this legendary human who um, started this brand from not really much of anything, but he was always pushing the boundaries, you know, in, in fashion in so many ways. After he died, he was, like, still remembered and loved. Um, you know, he's got such an iconic story, and I thought, oh, I'd love there to be something like that for me. And I think that one of the things that was really at the heart of it was that, you know, I'm a fabulous gay man. (laughs) (laughs) You might not be able to tell over here. (laughs) But but, um, I think at the time, you know, there was no gay marriage and I, you know, wasn't sure whether I'd be able to have a family. I was hopelessly single, you know, like, I guess I just thought to myself, you know, cause I at times had a turbulent relationship w- with family and like most, uh, I get along quite well with my family actually, but you know how it just mm. is like, yeah, everybody yeah. has like, ups and Especially downs when you're like that, tw- early twenties and, oh, yeah, and like, rebellion working out who yeah, you exactly. are like, what you want. I was really struggling with my identity uh, for sure. And um, so for me, it was like I, I suppose I really wanted to create something bigger than myself and create like a legacy and, you know, create like a family beyond my family. Like mm. what, would, what would be my gift to the world? Like if I can't procreate, if I can't like have a, um, you know, be married or have like, you know, this real family you know, maybe I could create that for myself in a, in a different way. So then I suppose I thought about, well, what is a legacy and what, um, you know, what is significant about that? Um, and I guess like a legacy could be a positive thing. It could be a negative thing as well. So really everything that, um, I aspire for the school is something that has like a, a positive connotation associated with it it's got a I like to consider myself quite an ethical person and I I really do believe that you know ethics are incredibly important so 
you know, with that said, you know, everything that we do, everything has to be to the highest standard, everything has to be um, really meticulously thought through um, from a, the aspect of um, taking responsibility for um, our students um, and, and their objectives and also the, the wider community as well. Um, and I think that when you consider all of those things as a business person um, and you have ethics and that sort of thing, they all contribute to a positive legacy also. So, yeah, that was my sort of at the beginning that, and it still is today that's like at the, I guess, like the core ethos of what it is that I do is, I, I suppose, making sure that um, I'm able to sustain a positive uh impact on mm -hmm. on myself and the wider community so yeah i love hearing that because it's it's good to kind of get an insight when you talk to other entrepreneurs about what does drive them and what inspires them to start in the first place but then also what more importantly what keeps them going and obviously having that vision bigger than yourself and having like a legacy of what you want to not only be known for but remembered for yeah um I'd love to know, like, what what do you want your school to remember? What do you want to be remembered for? Like, what is what's that that you want to leave behind, or people to kind of grab from that? Yeah, I do. You know what? I didn't wasn't even familiar with the word entrepreneur when I first started my business. <laughs> so I just want to like get that right on the table. Like, I I feel like for me, um, obviously, I knew what the word was. <laughs> it wasn't like, <laughs> but. It, I feel like entrepreneurship wasn't like a catch word back mm, then. It wasn't. Um, and so I think like these days it's funny because like, you know, there's all these awards, business awards and things like that. So often people say, oh, Michael, you're very entrepreneurial. And then there's like almost like a label attached to that. Well, what is an entrepreneur? And sometimes I feel like that people can kind of go, oh, like, Entrepreneur, like, oh, I'm going to be honest. I hate the word. I know, it's I gross. It. It's like... <laughs> what, what if, if you want to explain it, let's do it. What, what's your definition of an entrepreneur? What is it for you? Someone who has gone out there and started something, on like started from scratch and built something, always trying to build something in terms of business. Mm. That's yeah, I love it. Like, at heart, entrepreneurship yeah. is a wonderful thing. I think you make, um, somebody makes something out of nothing, yeah. essentially. Yeah. Like, you, like you yeah. said, you, there was, you've got this creativity, mm. you've got this something, but you didn't, couldn't find a vehicle where you could kind of put it to, so you just created the vehicle that you were Yeah, in. yeah. In space, because like you said, there was no, you went to the school and it wasn't a good experience for you, people weren't mm. getting jobs, and you're mm. like, I don't want to be a manager, but I've got this really cool creative flair, I'm mm. going to just create this something out of nothing and create a legacy which I think is so inspiring because I don't think you actually understand the magnitude of what you've done uh, it's funny like the you know I guess for me like yeah entrepreneurship is definitely an awesome thing too it's awesome mm -hmm. I love it but it's more so what I meant is that you know how sometimes people corrupt a word yes. and I feel like uh, you see it online and that's probably what you're talking about yeah. as well where you're like oh it's like a bit of it's kind of like can be a bit cringy sometimes because people sort of um yeah they they take it and then try to like I don't know it's I everyone like it's been wants a bit to be one <laughs> yeah and I don't at, at all ever discredit people who work for other brands or what oh, sorry work for people yeah. as well or just yeah. you know if Absolutely. you're employed fantastic like there's yeah. nothing wrong with that it's not like you mm. have to break the nine to five and you know do that because 
you know, that isn't for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, it's it's not right for them. And, you know, in a lot of ways, I think working for other people is a lot simpler. Absolutely. There's a less lot, risk. Less, less risk. Less stress. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. well, there's definitely been times in my journey where I'm like, maybe I'll just go to a nine to five. Then I'm like, I actually mm-hmm. sit with that thought for a few minutes. I'm like, nah. <laughs> yeah, but we all have our strengths. And some people, yeah. I mean – we have listeners who listen to this podcast for their bosses who are entrepreneurs. Like they listen to this podcast so they can help them. Like I think we all have our strengths and our own purpose here. And I totally agree with you mm. when you say that. But in talking about being a business owner and how it's not for everyone, let's talk a little bit about your journey in mm. building what you have. Like, I mean, it has not been overnight. I know that. Yeah. It's been a long journey with lots yep. of ups and downs. So mm-hmm. let's start from the beginning. Like, how has it been when you look back and reflect? Um, I think I'm, I'm actually quite proud of the school. I think it's like my baby. Mm. You know, I, I really do love it. And it has become exactly what I had wanted for it, you know. Um, and I do actually recognise the significance of, of the impact that we have as a you know, as a, I guess, like a, a what is, I think, a fairly, um, you know, traditional business model in the community, mm-hmm. which is, so it's not like your typical, like, online business, which is very new. Actually, education has been around for a long time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's education is Australia's third largest export. Like, mm-hmm. it's a big business. Um, so, I, I, yeah, but we definitely... I think, wow, like, there has been a lot of learning. It's, wow, where do we start? Right at the very beginning, I guess. You know, I started a studio with somebody who at the time I was quite a good friend with, but um, oh, we, we had become friends through work, actually. It wasn't like um, we were friends beforehand. and It was more like we'd done a photo shoot together and um, we seemed to work quite well, and then it was like, oh, let's work together. Um, but... I guess there was like maybe personality clashes um, and I'm not going to like write the guy off, but um, I think that, you know, we definitely clashed quite a bit. Um, And where I might've come from, I feel like I was probably a lot more organized and I had really solid goals. And I feel like with him, it was very different. Like he, was a little bit more of a gypsy and um, that kind of low-key attitude just wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. Like, I saw my future as being massive, not like... I'm like, come on, just, just figure it out. kind of figuring it out <laughs> along the way. So, um, yeah, so things were rough actually in that sense in the relationship. But we, the school sort of like... Um, I think I just saw a whale. I'm so sorry. I literally just, I yes. feel like I saw a whale. That there was are so whales cool. out there. Oh my gosh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> <It's true. laughs> I'm not going to be distracted. So. Um, the so listeners are probably like, where, like, where, where are, are you? you? <laughs> yeah, sorry guys. We're just um, sitting in my living room. <laughs> yeah, we're just in the living room, but I just saw a beautiful something, whale, and stuff. anyway, um, really cool. Um, you know what? I guess like back then I had like big dreams and that didn't align always with what this dude's agenda was. And I think there was maybe a sense of jealousy when there was success 
and you know I at first I tried to help and it just but I don't know it was not going anywhere I ended up moving into a new building and initially he was going to come with us but he um it just I guess like things just sort of like collapsed around it and it just I don't know relationship breakdowns his business model was totally different to what I was doing. So they were very separate entities, Mm -hmm. but we just happened to cohabitate in the same Mm -hmm. space. Um, So looking back on it, I think that, you know, that probably was a bit of a learning curve for me because I think it was really important that, you know, if you're going to start a business with someone, you need to have, well, not like we didn't have a business together, but just even like having some sort of partnership or sharing a space, you know, you need to have boundaries or there needs to be, um, you know, everything clearly defined at the beginning. Totally. Um, so yeah. And I think that was one of the learning things, but you know, beyond, um, him moving out and still owing me lots of money, um, (laughs) bills and that sort of thing. Um, yeah, (laughs) I guess, um, there was a there was a few challenges, um, yeah. I guess probably my business model itself has changed over the years. Like I started quite small. Like I said, I started like offering essentially what was just workshops and like for people, and then it changed to becoming an actual education provider. Um, and within that, like I met a lot of people who were really super doubtful about it because I was really young at the time when I first started. Like I'm. 31 now, even though you probably think that I'm 24. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But but, yeah, I I don't know. I I guess like I was really young when I first started the school. So people were like, what is this school? Like school of what? Amateur hour? Like, and um, there was a few people in the industry, like who people who had maybe other RTOs and things like that, and they really looked down on, on what it was that I was doing because we weren't backed by government. Um, we were literally um, offering private courses, and and that was it. We were a private school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I don't know. It was one of those things that, for me, like when I first started the business, I looked at all of our competitors in great detail and I found that, you know, some of them were, um, you know, quite unethical and it was nothing about what I just didn't want to be like them. And for anybody who knows a little bit about the, the world of registered training organizations knows that it is probably one of like the most corrupt, disgusting industries um, and they're literally ripping people off left, right, and center, signing yeah, people yeah. up for courses, um, collecting government vet fee help student loans, um, and signing people up for courses who probably should never have even been enrolled in the first place. Like they don't even speak English or something, or they come from a very, very poor environment, and they say, "Hey, sign up for this course, and you'll get an iPad." Mm. And they're like, yay, iPad. And they're like, yeah, and you get money from the government. Ooh, it's as if it's free money. But then they don't actually comprehend that, that it's a debt and you actually do have to pay for your tuition. Mm-hmm. But these organizations are just signing them up and then people just don't even go to the, the course. Like, it, yeah, and at the time, vet fee help was like uncapped. So I was like, I don't have anything to do with vet fee help. I don't have anything to do with like, 
these government RTOs because they're so dodgy and they actually don't help people in our industry get work. Mm-hmm. So the at the heart of it, I looked at, well, what is the actual product that we're offering? Well, we're offering professional makeup artistry courses that help our students get all the skills that and the tools that they need to be able to actually do the job in the real world. Um, and I guess I copped a lot of flack initially because, it, you know, we were private school. Mm-hmm. So I had I remember going to an education trade expo and I had this woman from a, a school on the Gold Coast. She was like the owner manager or whatever. Um, and in front of like all of these other educators um, and also our team, she said, oh, how is it that you can be offering courses that are like un- unregistered and how is it that you think that you can compete with schools like this, wow. you know, and as I said, well, how is it that you can sleep at night knowing that you're offering these dodgy programs? You know, how is it that your students are actually getting work? But they're not. <laughs> like, I, I'm, I'm very comfortable with what it is that we're offering because, you know, everything that we're saying that we're doing, we're doing. You know, like, it's not hidden under the guise of, like, you know, yeah. government funding and, like, these dodgy advertising, you know. It's, it's so crazy, it's like, just delving into that whole education thing because I remember even at uni, like, people would have that blase mentality, oh, if I don't pass, who cares? I just have to repeat the subject. It's like, yeah, but you're also having to pay for a whole other semester. Like, it's it's mm. money that they don't really see or they're like, they don't yeah. know what they want to do after school. They go to school, mm-hmm. after school, so you just go to uni for the sake of it. But it's $20,000 yeah. hex debt that's racking up as well. It's, oh, yeah. Edu- education providers are definitely taking advantage of the mentality that Australians have, which is, like, they're entitled to education. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, you have to do it anyway, so do it. Like, so, yeah, there's a lot of dodgy education providers out there. Yeah. I, it's like the industry is just, like, full of them. Um, and over the years, like, every single intake and every single um, year, we're constantly improving what we do so that, you know, we can make sure that not only are we, you know, doing things responsibly for the students, but, again, for our industry as well. Yeah. Because, you know, the industry changes. So the skills and the different requirements that the industry needs, like that also, you know, needs to adapt as well. So we need to, yeah, always be on the forefront of, yeah, mm-hmm, of for sure. that. Mm. So when you're not um, just snatching up all these amazing awards for the Gold Coast things <laughs> and the trophies and doing people's makeup for the Olympics. <laughs> I didn't really do a lot of makeup for that. I actually didn't really do a lot of makeup. So that's an interesting one, actually. So it's a good one for the resume. <laughs> yeah, it's funny the with the common games. Actually, that's a good story. Yeah, actually talking about like, oh, interesting. Tell me. The, here's the scoop. So I was the head makeup artist for the Commonwealth Games, and we had altogether like close to seven thousand people that required something to do with their aesthetic. That you know they were all of these people that at some point had been touched by our department. And, you know, everybody from, like, mass cast through to um, professional um, talent, um, like dancers and performers, um, through to headline talent and, you know, dignitaries and athletes and everybody in between. Um, So it was, like, it was a really big job. And it's funny because when um, 
I was first heard about the job. Um, this guy approached us um, at the school looking for volunteers. Mm. And I was like, oh, yeah, like, uh, how many do you need? And he said, oh, maybe we need, like, 70. And I was like, oh, easy. I can get you 70 makeup and hair people, like, like yeah, that like. sort of thing. And <laughs> he was like, oh, great. I said, well, who's organized? Like, who's actually going to be running the team? He goes, I'm not sure, but I'll put you in charge of the people who, who are. So I got this phone call, and they wanted to talk to me about the offering me a position. And they sort of, like, did a phone interview sort of thing about being in charge of the department. She said, how is it that you, you'll cope like under the pressure? Like, you know, it's a pretty big task and, you know, you haven't done a, a big production like a games before. Cause it's not like your regular production. It's like, no. like a $19 billion dollar production, you know, like it's huge, like and months and months of organization. So she said, how do you think you, you're going to cope? And I was so blase about it. I was like, well, if I can organize a school, <laughs> I can organize your event. Like, it's fine. Like, I've got this. I got this. And I was honestly, like, really black and white. I was, and it was funny because, like, I think at the time when she had called me, like, I was in between, like, lots of things as I always am. And I had, like, some photo shoot, I think, that was happening that evening. And it was in the afternoon. So I was, like, kind of dismissive almost. Like, yeah. it's fine. I've got this. You can either take me or you don't. Yeah, yeah. whatever. Um, and, as it turns out, we had this big staff orientation, so I'd, like, gotten the job. And we went to this orientation, and they were like, oh, and it was massive. There was, like, hundreds of people. There was, like, big screen TVs, like, big projectors everywhere. Yeah. And, like, it was, like, a bit of a production in itself. And then um, they said, and now introducing the executive producer for the entire Commonwealth <laughs> Games. Marin, and then everyone's like clapping and then this woman who had interviewed me first that was her she was like the big boss and she was the one who was like super yeah whatever like i can you want yeah who else would do the job really like, and that was kind of the approach i had and it's funny because after doing it i really do feel like they couldn't have done it without us because i did come with the entire school Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had to fight to have our students to be, to get work experience on it. And obviously I wanted them to have an amazing experience as well yeah. and to be a part of it, but we couldn't have done it without them because they wouldn't allow us to have enough staff. And there were so many problems wow. along the way with the games. Like I can imagine. Oh yes. Oh, so many I, problems. Yeah. I don't even yeah. like... Our team did amazing, mind you, <laughs> just saying. We did very well. Um, and actually, everyone was – all the producers were, were really happy. But imagine, like, in one show with, like, the opening ceremony, there was, like, 24 or 26 different segments, and each segment had its own directors and its own producers. And, and within that a whole, you know, massive web of different – team who, who were working and mm. being able to deliver these things you know one group of mass cast might have 400 people wow. in it. so you know it's a really big scale sort of thing um so there's obviously going to be you know issues and problems along the way but i found that um it was interesting there was some of this the the team were flowing in from different places and like there was a couple of people some in particular who I won't name, but they were from Sydney and they were like, oh, the Gold Coast people, they're always the ones stuffing everything up. 
I was like, what? Get stuff. Like, <laughs> you're incompetent. Like, and that's okay. I wanted to say that, but they, you know, obviously you've got to bite the tongue. Um, and I suppose, like, for me, it was, like, the first time I was ever doing, like, a big games. And mm. so whenever people would sort of have these ideas about how they should do things and I'd be questioning it in my mind, I just would bite my tongue because I was thinking, oh, no, 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 they've already done the games before. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. And then as things kind of progressed and got closer to the actual event, I was like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> these people. No idea. Wow. Like, if they ran this thing like a business, they would go broke. <laughs> and that's just how I thought about it. So, How yeah. did you cope with the stress of it? Like, Well, it's funny because I was also juggling the school as well. Mm. So I was working, like, massive days. I remember one time I, I looked at my phone and I'd run, like – 18 kilometers up like you know how like your phone app tells you like i'd done 18 kilometers and i'd gone up like 12 flights or something like that of stairs because it was really spread out where the games were and i was literally running between destinations and i thought i deserve a medal here (laughs) (laughs) so yeah but i guess like it was stressful i guess for me it was that there were some real asshole people who were working in some of the departments. Not all of them. Most of them were actually really nice, but there was a couple of people who were just rude, like for the sake of being rude. Like, mm. And they, they'd say things like, um, you know, we'd be looking at products and they'd ask me to put together like a, a stock list or a budget for, for different things. And then they'd say, oh no, this is, this is way out. This is way more than what it should cost. Um, and then instead of it just being like, you know, something that we would discuss and say, oh, you know, it's expensive and there's not a budget for it because of X, Y, Z reasons. It was, you're, you're flashy and you're this and that. And actually coming at me because oh, I was yeah. had an aesthetic that they that kind of, I don't know, they thought that I was just like this young, crazy guy who was really into designer brands and all that. And, and they would really push that onto me all the time. And I was like, wow, is that really what you're reading when you look at me? Like, is my aesthetic that you know, you think that I'm just so showy and that, cause I feel like I'm not like mm. I, and that really sort of bugged me a lot. Yeah. So I guess I was like that, maybe, yeah, I guess that happens with business too. Like people see you from an outside perspective Yeah. and they, I mean, they might see you online and mm-hmm. they get this idea of who you are. And, yeah. you know, some of us are really out there on our social medias and others are not, but mm. You know, I sense that the community out there feel like they know who you are or they oh, have yeah. this preconceived idea. Yeah. And I think that comes with business too, like people's judgment mm-hmm. and criticism and then thinking one thing of you. Like I hear it yeah. so many times when people meet one of us in person, they're like, oh, my God, you're so nice and or you're so different or you're not what yeah. I thought you were. It's yeah. just like I guess just yeah. what happens when you're in, in the spotlight. Yeah, totally, yeah. And, I mean, it could have been, like, in contrast to this woman who, like, turned up to work in a bloody pyjamas. And I'm like, well, I'm sorry that, like, I put a bit more pride into my aesthetic. Like, we're all working long hours, mate. Come on. Yeah. Like, get over yourself. But, yeah, I don't know. I think that the games was an amazing learning experience for me. As talking about getting real, how about this? You'd think that a production like that would have plenty of dough. But, um, and really, when I first got into it, I was thinking, you know what, like, the wage that they were paying wasn't great, but it'll be good marketing. And that's mm-hmm. literally the only reason why I did it mm-hmm. in the beginning. I thought it's good marketing. I'm sure this is worthwhile. 
Um, so that was wrong. Um, I started and then they were like, you can't tell people that you're working on it. Oh, wow. And I was like, what? I was like, I have a business outside of here and people need to know about it. But they were so strict that they're like, anybody who knows needs to sign an NDA. And I was like, what? Like, this is different from other productions that I've worked on. Even like big budget productions aren't that strict. But I said, okay, that's fine. So then I end up, um, like, I, I guess like for me, they, what's going on? I won't. It's just going to bite of its own. It's like, it just keeps turning on and playing random music. That's fun. Um, yeah, but so I guess I thought it was going to be like this amazing marketing thing. And as the games progressed, they, they sort of like changed their tune a little bit and they, they kind of opened up and allowed us to sort of speak more, but, Mm. um, yeah, that even just everything along the way, it was like there was it was just like a constant battle. It seemed um, one time, like I we had ordered all this stock, and oh, this was so annoying. So we had to get all the stock in before a particular date because of security reasons. That it had to get scanned and it had to get sniffer dogs all through it, and all. it was because wow. of like yeah. you know the significance of the project, which I understand, but they put a lot of stress on us to like get it sorted in time. But then the people who had to sign off on what you were spending were also really behind on what they were doing. So they kept on like pushing things back and pushing things back. And I'd say, I need mm. to get answers now. You're relying on someone I'm else. I'm relying because I need to fly the stock in and we need to get things here. So it arrives on time for this. And then, at one point they had like, cause I've got all these amazing suppliers who helped us out and got us really good deals. But one particular thing we had to, we had like a day or something left before they had to sign off on it before the stock had to get shipped out. So I said to the brand, I said, look, it's most likely going to go through because I can't see how we're going to be able to do this without all this stuff. And they said, yep, no worries. So they spent all this time packing the crates of stock to come up. <laughs> and then the people who were in charge of making the call of saying, yep, you can do it or not, said at the last minute they kept going, oh, no, 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 we'll get to you, we'll get to you, we'll get to you later, and kept pushing me back. And I think it was got to like 1 p.m. and we needed an answer by 2 p.m. Oh, or wow. something like that. And then they um, like – we end up having a meeting at like quarter past two. And then at the, during that meeting, they're like, yeah, you can't do it. <laughs> and I was like, you got to be kidding. Like I've literally like, this is not just me ordering stock and saying, Hey guys, yeah, don't worry about that. We don't need that it now. Yeah. Like it's no, no, no. This is a reputation that I've got with my suppliers that I've built up for years. Mm-hmm. And now I've got to go to them and say, we're not ordering all that stuff. So, I think I absorbed about $12,000 worth of stock into the school. And if, like, I didn't have a school that could do that, like, yeah, then that would have been, yeah, yeah, really bad. Um, so you didn't um, want to have your reputation tarnished, so mm, you just got the stock? I just took the stock, yeah, the wow. extra stock, yeah. And even, like, and with the games, as far as, like, paying their expenses, like, it took them months after the games to pay the expenses. Like I had racked up maybe $23,000 worth of expenses on my own mm-hmm. card. 
I love hearing these right. real and raw stories because, like I said, you've mm-hmm. had some, some crazy success, but it's also the stuff that goes on behind the scenes. It's the risk that you take. It's the mm-hmm. opportunity that you put yourself out there, even when maybe the financial reward's not there. But it's like you mm-hmm. said, it's making, it's networking, it's, make, it's making a reputation, it's mm-hmm. getting your name out there, it's marketing. Yeah. Um, so I, I love that you've been real and raw about that kind of stuff. But what does like, what does happen behind the scenes when you're not achieving all this stuff? What does an average day in your life look like? I know we mentioned before you're up until like 11 o'clock at night sometimes. Like what does business yes. actually take to be successful? Yeah. Well, the other day I, I think I, I did like a 17 hour day and I got home and I was obviously tired. And, <laughs> um, but I didn't feel like I was almost like proud of myself. I was like, <laughs> yeah, you, you buddy. Crushed. Yeah. You just, you're a bus. <laughs> and, uh, one of um, my mentors, and she's a good friend of mine, she's the managing director of a super large cosmetics company, and we get along like a house on fire, and she's really sort of like, she's an interesting lady. She's actually, she's, she's a, a Chinese lady, um, and she's all of like four foot high, like she's a tiny little <laughs> hobbit. And she has this like really interesting personality. She's like really abrupt. Um she sort of she's actually an engineering background so and a corporate background so cosmetics is like not was not her background but she's kind of been propelled into this this industry so she can be really black and white about things and she has some really interesting opinions about creatives and (laughs) um but yeah she said to me a, a couple of years ago and I've really sort of hung on to it is that she said oh Michael she said what kind of hours are you doing for work and I was like what do you mean she said, how many hours are you working I was like quite a bit she's like you need to work more I was like what what do you mean she's like oh you know you need to really appreciate like that you know this time in your life when you're you know but before you turn like 40 she's like you have so much opportunity to um, to work long hours and to like build something for yourself. Um, and she said that in, in the corporate world in engineering, that all of the, the young engineers and, um, you know, business development people, they would actually thrive off the opportunity to do really long hours and they would almost wear it like a badge of honor. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you've, you work these long hours and you know, you're, that's like, Got what it takes. Yeah, got what it takes. And it's this real Chinese mentality and I I just loved it. Like, I don't know, I was thinking, yeah, like you should be proud of the work that you put in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's like maybe a misconception about like entrepreneurship, like break the nine to five so that you can like... Um, work nine to work, nine. Work, yeah, work <laughs> nine to nine. Um, yeah, exactly. So, and that, that's what, um, you know, there's obviously the perks that come out of it as mm-hmm. well, but... Um, I guess like, yeah, I'm really, I, I really enjoy, even though it's long hours, like I love it and yeah. that's the benefit for me that I see. Mm. But it, it can be like really, really hard at times as well. Like you do take on a lot. And I think having a school as well, it's different to, you know, when you've got these people who, you know, your client or your customer, you know, they're not just like purchasing a product and then it's like, okay, go enjoy the products. Mm. Like they're, they're with you. For the duration of their course, you ride every high and low yeah. that they're having as well. And initially, when I first started business, that was something that I used to get really caught up on. Mm. You know, we'd have students that have like come from the most 
troubled backgrounds and have had the most intense experiences and you know or you know might have something go happen with like a student and you know it's really intense and it's hard not to take it on board you know totally I think that just comes with like when you're so passionate about what you do for your business you also absorb all the energy that comes through it like you want Mm. people to succeed and when you see them upset or you see them not winning or you see whatever's happening for them yeah we're like empaths really like we really feel that as business owners and that can be tough yeah that hurts sometimes like I know what that's like it's painful yeah well, actually, class actually finished last night probably around 8.30. I stayed back because there was, like, students talking to me mm-hmm. about stuff. And, like, I wouldn't trade it, actually. Mm-hmm. Like, because I think that, you know, in life, like, we as humans have, like, a responsibility to each other that you should be there in some capacity. It doesn't matter, like, whether you're, like, the big boss or whether you're a worker. Like, you mm-hmm. need to just appreciate that we're all human and sometimes people just need to talk and they just need to, you know, we need to be there. Mm. It's a really nice cool. note to end the show and just being there. And I think at the end of it, that's what business is all about. Like, mm. get rid of the shiny word entrepreneur or whatever you want to label it. It really yeah. is about helping people and meeting a need and sometimes... It could be a school, it could be education, it could be mm-hmm. a place to connect, it could be a place to feel like they do have a purpose and they do have something to give back to the world and mm. somewhere to grow. So I just want to thank you so much for sharing your love and light with us. Now we've been chasing you for ages. <laughs> thank you. It was oh, so God. good to chat and I just wish you all the success and I know you will just keep crushing it. We're going to keep, continue watching your journey. You deserve all the accolades that you get. So thanks for being on. Thank you. No, thank you guys so much. I had a really great time. And if anybody wants to like um, connect with the school, like you can definitely do that. And um, if, you know, as well as, you know, if you, I mean, it's one thing to like be interested in makeup, but actually it genuinely, if anybody wants to m- learn more about um, or has a question about business or something like that, I don't know, mm. if you want some feedback or advice or totally. on something, I don't mind if you Get hit me up on it. Yeah, yeah, you can definitely message through because I think that it's important for like other businesses to connect with each other. I'm really big on collaboration and I'm just, I would like, to be able to help out if other people are having trouble because I know that I definitely bounced off so many other business owners as well when I first got started and part of my success and journey has been that. Well, we will have all of Michael's links and social media and website, everything to connect with him in the show notes. So thank you. (laughs) Thanks, guys. We hope you've loved today's episode of the Babes Talking Business Podcast. We're loving bringing you these episodes. Our mission really is to share and add value to your week, whether you're a budding entrepreneur or you're a veteran and you've been owning your own business for quite some time. Don't forget, if you're loving our podcast, we would absolutely love and appreciate for you to rate us and drop in some love on the iTunes app by giving us some feedback. We want to do something really exciting and we want to do a shout out of the week every week on our Instagram for anyone who reviews us so please make sure you leave us five sparkly stars and you give us your feedback but don't forget to add your instagram handle or website so that we can shout you out you can follow us on instagram at babes talking business or you can check out our website at www 
babestalkingbusiness.com. You can check out the Health Cell Emporium online holistic health program, our beautiful sponsors over at www.thehsc.net. All of these links are available below in our podcast notes and on our website. Thanks for tuning in.